I want to finish up uh, today a uh, three-part <clears throat> message on preparing for growth because I believe it is the will of God that the saints of God uh, really ascribe and it is their aim to grow in their faith. We grow in our faith through the ministry of the Word, for the study, the reading of the Word of God. Somebody say amen. We need the Word of God in our life. It sanctifies us. It is like a mirror that is held up to us that reveals uh, the things, the defects in our life that we need to repent of and ask God to help us with. I'm so glad the Word of God doesn't condemn us, but it convicts us. Instead of condemnation, which makes us feel miserable like there's no hope, conviction causes us to move close to God, that we want to be in His presence, that we want to be closer to Him. And we need to grow in the Word and have an attitude that we have not arrived yet. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> when I was a young reclaimed Christian, I was 18 years old after uh, three years of being backslidden and I came into the church and we were, uh, about the first year I was there, I'd been baptized in the Spirit and we were getting ready, the pastor, that were getting ready to do a Bible study on, on a, uh, I can't remember what it was, a book of the Bible or something and, and there was this older saint and he was, they uh, actually led the, the, the song service, the word, we didn't really worship, but it was a song service at that time. And I said, well, Pete, are you, and I really looked up to him, and, and uh, I didn't have a, a really good father figure. He was my, uh, my uh, oldest sister's father-in-law, and he was a very godly man. And I just said, Pete, are you, you're going to be coming to the Bible study, right? It's on a different night. I mean, do you all go to Bible study, by the way? Just asking. And Pete said, oh, no, I'm not going to that. And I said, well, why aren't you going? He said, I've learned all that before. And my heart sank. And I was so disappointed in him and that attitude. I didn't even know, you know, I could put a finger on what disappointed me. But it was, and over the years I look back and I never forgot that. That was, that was probably 46 years ago, 47 years ago. And I still remember that and it still hurts. Because the attitude was that I already know that. And if you're studying the word of God, uh, his ways are unsearchable and past finding out. And we can always learn. I, I can tell you, I could read the same scripture a hundred times over, the same passage, and, and going through it on a Bible reading calendar or going through it on devotion, suddenly reading it, it's like the first time, and the Holy Spirit makes it come alive. And I see nuggets of truth in there that I didn't see before. <clears throat> that is an attitude of growth, is that I'm going to dig in. Yeah, I've read it before, but the Word of God is living and active. And the Spirit of God makes it come alive, and we need to be learners. We need to be students that are hungry for knowledge, hungry for the knowledge of God. The other thing is when you go to Bible study or small group, is you're rubbing elbows with and having fellowship with other believers that you can, that you can pray with, that you can get to know. They can become more than acquaintance. They become your friends and associates and prayer partners. We grow together. We learn together. We grow together. Somebody say amen. And, and I just <clears throat> don't like the, the trend that I'm seeing in the church is this lack of hunger for learning more about what God wants to teach us by the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. And I, I can tell you in this series of preparing for growth, you've you got to prepare for growth. You've got to want to grow. Amen. My little grandson and granddaughter staying with us. Ellen had a baby a few weeks ago, and we've been took the two older ones with us and left the two younger ones with her and her husband. And and uh, little Jesse 
He's a rambunctious four-year-old. He's pretty funny uh, and uh, entertaining. But in the night, uh, for a couple of nights, he wakes up at the night screaming and crying because he's having pains in his legs. And Grandma gets up. I had to kick her out of bed to get it. Hey, he's crying. Get up, you know. And <clears throat> she, she goes in there and, and uh, lays in his bed and tries to soothe him, calm him, take him to the bathroom, back to bed, and he's crying and his legs hurt. Well, what is it? You know, growing pains. He's taking a growing spurt and stretching his muscles and they're cramping and he wakes up in the night with them. He's growing. We, listen, when's the last time you had a spiritual growing pain? Uh, when's the last time you stretched your muscles and, and you were growing, your bones were expanding and growing, you're becoming more mature than what you are, more, more mature and growing in the knowledge of the Word. We need to be growing. I'll try not to make this a long sermon. We had a longer worship service, and God is here. I'll tell you, we could close now and say we had church. Amen. Uh, my daughter, I don't normally answer my phone or anything during service, but something popped up. It was from one of my daughters, Lisa. And I thought, you know, I better check, make sure it's okay. Maybe she has a prayer request or something. And as I checked it in, it was just a little picture of a little boy sitting next to his mother, the pastor's wife. He's the pastor's kid. And he looks up at her and says, Mom, is the sermon over yet? And she says, yes, but your father doesn't know yet. <clears throat> so I'll try to, I'll try to keep it uh, uh, pithy, okay? But uh, remember our, our text, John 10.10. 10. The thief, who's the devil? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus went on to say, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Not just life, not just sucking air, but actually enjoying life and being full of the excitement and the thrill of living as a Christian in the day and age which we live in. Uh, we've shown uh, from the Scriptures uh, over the past couple of messages how the enemy works against individual believers. We as individuals, it works against our homes, our marriages, our children, works against our businesses and our churches, local churches, to kill, steal, and destroy. And his aim, of course, is to thwart or to derail the progress and potential of our purposes and destiny that God has called us to and what He has created us to achieve. God has plans and purposes also for each local church. Somebody say amen, that uh, each and every local church. The enemy understands this all too well, and so his minions, his demonic forces uh, that uh, rebelled with him in heaven, one-third of the angelic hosts that were thrown out of heaven with him when he rebelled against God, they work to deceive to attack with the intent to draw our attention off the most important thing in the kingdom, which is people. People are God's treasure. Draw our attention off people and their redemption through the progress of the gospel. Uh, to preach Christ and Him crucified. He wants us not to do that, to preach about programs or to preach about personal problems or to give motivational speeches so people can have a little better life. And, and while those things might be important, the power of the gospel can, can never be substituted for those things. He wants us to turn away from the purposes and the greatest things to focus on ourselves. In today's culture and the church, it's not much different. It's all about us. It's all about what God can do for me rather than, God, what can I do for your kingdom? John F. Kennedy, famous inaugurational speech back in 1960, he said, ask not 
what your country can do for you, but rather ask what you can do for your country. And I'm going to say, that was a wonderful phrase. I wish the, the government would do that today. Because everybody, it's all about individuals. And in the kingdom of God, if we follow suit in that, we will live a life that is devoted to ourselves and to the happiness of one another rather than the expansion of the kingdom of God. You want to, let me tell you the truth. The truth is, is hard times do come and they will come. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. It is not that that is an unknown fact, but when it does happen, not if it happens, we need to be ready with the correct responses that no matter what happens, God is always good. And when times are bad, God is good. And when they get worse, God is gooder. So we need to quit asking, what about me? How this affects me? Instead, trusting in God in hard times and through difficult relationships, we need to break away from the attitude of self. I remember uh, Pastor Roger Whittem, who was my youth and associate pastor the first five years that I was here, He's a good friend, and uh, I have fond memories of working with him, that he had a, a kind of a little bit of a rough-around-the-edges approach to things and to people. And, uh, but I remember him telling somebody, hearing through the, uh, the door of the old uh, church where there wasn't very much sound barrier, and he was t- telling somebody, um, Do you, maybe you haven't heard that there's about 7 to 8 billion other people on the planet besides you. It's not about you. And I remember hearing silence, and I thought, oh, there goes another member leaving the church. You know, they, <clears throat> but he, it's like you could hear the, <laughs> hear the, uh, 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 the air leave the room there. But uh, I, I, just to tell you in a nice way, and I'm smiling when I say it, I thought my mask off so you can see me, is it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the progress of his kingdom the expansion of the kingdom of God. And when, we, and when we start to make it about ourselves, we, we have a tendency to take on bitterness, unforgiveness. We take offenses. That was the first message I, met, I shared. And bitterness, when we hold on to it because we're offended because somehow the other person didn't realize that it's about me, and they hurt me when they said that it wasn't about me. I mean, there's oftentimes that's the case. We bite the baited hook that the enemy throws at us through people that I may know the enemy uses even good people who are not aware that, that the enemy is using them to speak something into the atmosphere or to do something that offends someone. And the goal of his is to have them bite the baited hook of offense and then to nurture it and feed on it. Replay it in your mind so that you become bitter and you become an angry person. You're not a forgiving person. And what happens when that happens is we found out it'll destroy your relationships, it'll destroy your businesses, it'll destroy your homes, and it surely destroys churches and the unity in the church, of the local church, which is contrary to what God desires. The second message was about last week about the spirit of entitlement where there are oftentimes people with unrealistic expectations who believe that it's all about me and it's really not about you. That uh, are we entitled people? Well, we think we are. Sometimes we act like it. I think probably sometimes I ask your husband or your wife. They'll tell you. Entitled. My, my four-year-old grandson is entitled. All children are. They grow that way, right? And uh, You know, last week there was a time and I had the day off and, uh, and uh, Jesse got up out of bed and he wants to eat right away. And Grandma was up and she was sitting at her uh, table with her... Uh, um, tablet going over some things and 
And he came out and sat right next to her, and he's looking up at her, kind of leaning back, and he says, Grammy, why are you just sitting there when you're supposed to be out making my breakfast? <laughs> he's going to make some lucky woman a wonderful husband someday, I think. Um, he didn't have the big picture about it's not about him, but children we can make excuses for when we become adults and have an attitude like that. That's not right. That's not good, right? We should get the big picture of what's best for the church, best for the family, best for the business. You understand? Uh, you know, oftentimes what we do is we lick our real or imagined wounds and think it's all about us when we should be focusing on the big picture and do what's best for the kingdom of God's expansion. If we don't grow, we'll die out. That's a fact. And if we don't look up in times of trouble, we'll screw up. We need God's help. And so as we finish this series today, and we'll move on to something else next week, we'll have a missionary, which I trust you'll be a part of, this young couple that is uh, going to be missionaries to children in Burundi, um, that we need to have an attitude, bottom line, uh, that is teachable. A teachable attitude or spirit, is a sign, uh, an unteachable one, is a sign of a proud heart. And men and women who refuse to receive correction, we never get too old for correction. Somebody say amen. amen. We need correction. Uh, we need sometimes necessary rebukes. And we need godly counsel. People who refuse those things are destined to fall. They're destined to fail. They're destined to shipwreck. There's many verses in Scripture that back this assertion and want to talk about uh, the uh, teach unteachable spirit. Being uh, teachable, actually, is on the positive side, is a virtue. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to want to learn, to want to grow. Sometimes it's painful when people tell us something about our life that we don't see because we have blind spots, that we don't see our faults. But Proverbs 4 or 5 says that we are to get wisdom get understanding, and do not forget my words or turn away from them. We need to turn to the Word of God, listen to the words of God so that He can teach us through the Word and by the Spirit the things in our life that need to change, that we need to reorder priority. God teaches us through His Word, through Scripture. The Word of God is living and active, as I said earlier. Hebrews 4.12 says, and that it is a sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the motives and the intentions of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is strong, and the Word of God is sharp, and we need to sharpen up on the Word. Study the Word. Read the Word. Practice the Word. Put it into practice. Don't just read it, but live it. Walk it out in your life. Pray the Word. Personalize the Word. God is speaking to us through the Word. Uh, he will teach us also through creation, just the things in creation that are normal and, and, uh, and, and real and active. You know, creation is important. To, God will teach us through His creation. And uh, th thirdly, God teaches us through other people. I don't like listening to other people. That's what our granddaughter Meyer says when it's time for bed. I don't want to go to bed. Don't want to listen to that. And sometimes we have that attitude. People God has placed in our path. And sometimes, you know, and I've learned this over the years, God puts people in our pathway that help to develop us, develop our character. You know what I've learned? I've learned that when there is a thorn in my side, and I'm talking about a person, how many know what I'm talking about? 
And I, I used to get irritated and just write them off. And I have, this is a true thing. I have learned, I don't like it, but I've learned that sometimes maybe God is trying to teach me something through that irritation. Right? Are they irritating? Yes. But what is God trying to teach me through that? Maybe they have something to say to me. Maybe I don't like the way the message is put to me. But nonetheless, maybe that message is something God wants me to hear. And so we need to stop looking at people as the enemy when they're the messenger and kill the messenger and miss the message. God wants us to learn even through uh, who we would consider to be irritating people. Am I irritating anybody today? God is trying to teach you. Okay? Sometimes we're not listening. And uh, sometimes we just don't want to change the way we do things. Just irritating. Tell me I'm doing it wrong. Who do they think they are? Right? John 10.10, the last part of that verse, remember Jesus said, I came to give that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's his goal. The enemy's going to do his worst. God's going to do his best. And rather than pursuing the abundant life God has for us, we oftentimes get sidetracked by practicing the characteristics of an unteachable behavior. And what are some of the characteristics of an unteachable person? Look at Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man, this is amplified version, do you see a man who is unteachable and wise in his own eyes and full of self-conceit? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, the writer of Proverbs didn't call him a fool, but he said there's more hope for a fool, which means you're kind of down the chain a little bit when you're unteachable. Stubbornness and pride are sins. They are opposite the character of Christ. Thinking that your way is always the best, even even if it's not working. And I've known people like that. It's like, what you're doing isn't working, but they're offended if you tell them to try something different. Because they're in a pattern of behavior that they don't want to change. Because it's just easier to keep going down the same rut than to go up to higher ground and accomplish something. There's a refusal to listen. Stubbornness and pride. Refusal to listen to the ideas of others. And, and what is the motivation of that? I think it's probably rooted in a little bit of insecurity. Is that I don't want to listen to the ideas of others. You're not telling me what to do. You're not the boss of me. My grandchildren tell one another. They also have an attitude that believes and behaves as if they're right and everyone else is wrong. doesn't matter. I will say this, just on the side here, is that there are times maybe when you are right and everybody else is wrong. You know, Supreme Court in 1973, Roe v. Wade, the majority of the Supreme Court ruled in favor of abortion on demand. 68 million babies have been murdered since that time in America. God help us. I think they were wrong, don't you? And currently, and I'm not getting political here, but the Biden administration, through executive order, has declared war on the unborn in the executive orders that were signed in the first few days in office. You need to understand that. Elections have consequences. We need to pray. God's people need not be discouraged. We need to pray and pray that God will help us to overcome and pray that he will forgive our sins, that he will open up the eyes of our political leaders, that God will give them an awakening so they can see uh, the things that they're doing that God will judge our nation for and certainly judge them for. 
But sometimes the, the, the majority is wrong and the minority is right. But oftentimes it's, if you've got enough people telling you you're wrong, maybe you need to think, well, what am I, maybe I am. You know, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? I, I know that <laughs> there's some people who, uh, who have been married. I, you know, my father was married four or five times. I can't keep the count. He lived with some other women after my mother. who lived married to her 30 years and then was married to three or four. And it was always his wife's fault. Because they just didn't understand. Now, when when you have that kind of a record, you you, you might want to go look in the mirror. And I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about others. Somebody, are you listening to what I'm saying here? Is that we need to we need to be honest about our appraisal of ourselves. Uh, and sometimes God uses people to point out things in us that we don't like to hear, we don't like to see. Sometimes maybe they're not doing it in the right attitude, right? David, when he was fleeing Jerusalem, when Absalom had created civil war and, and there was a man who came out from uh, his, his property, his land, and he came out to the king, David, and his soldiers that were fleeing with him from Jerusalem, and he cursed him, you know, kicking up dust and cursed him, and, and David's general was ready to take his head off. He pulled his sword, and David said, no, let him alone. Maybe God sent him out here today to curse me. Maybe this is a message from God. What do you think? I always like the, <laughs> interesting, at the end of David's life when he's on his deathbed, he makes Solomon promise him that you'll, you'll kill that guy. <laughs> it's not going to, so I mean, he found out maybe it wasn't a message from God, so I don't know. But uh, we need to listen, keep an ear open, God, what are you trying to teach me, even with a negative message, and stubbornness and pride will cause you to do the opposite, you will not admit it. Oftentimes we don't admit that we're wrong because of the messenger that tells us we're wrong and we need to humble ourselves under that as well. Um, people who are stubborn and full of pride don't value the diversity of ideas. They don't like team leadership. They like to be uh, autocratic leaders so that they alone make decisions. And the question here is, do we receive a friend's wise advice sometimes and try a different method or simply assert that ours is the best and end up failing again? We, you know the familiar saying that's attributed to Albert Einstein, one of the greatest geniuses of our modern times, 20th century, when he said that if you continue to do the same thing that you've done before, you'll get the same result that you had before. And that is so applicable in our lives. Sometimes they, uh, people, these characteristics of a person is stubbornness and pride, but secondly, it's getting offended for being corrected. And this is a strong sign of an unteachable character. Do we get offended when somebody points out our faults and tells us what is right? If we do, then we might have an unteachable heart and mind. And when we cut people off, or in using the modern uh, vernacular, cancel them, because we're offended that they had the nerve to share a problem or try to clear up an offense with us that you don't want to deal with or only see the offense from your narrow perspective is a sign of an unteachable spirit. When in reality, I mean, Proverbs 27.6 says, the wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Sometimes friendships have failed because a friend tried to tell you what you didn't want to hear. You know, a, a person who's not a good friend will side with you and agree with you even when they know you're wrong. A real friend will tell you the truth. 
and they still love you. And the proverb writer says, it's better than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Stupid. So it's possible to accept and enjoy correction and instruction simply because they help us to grow and you know, preserve our lives. Proverbs 9.8 says, so don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. So are you wise? Do you take correction well? Proverbs 9.9 says, give instruction to a wise person and he will become even wiser. Teach a righteous person and he will increase in his insight. Third characteristics uh, of an uh, unteachable person is appearing receptive to instruction, correction, and um, yet really not making any changes, just kind of letting it go in one ear and out the other. There's a sign that actually uh, easy to spot. Do we appear receptive with instruction or correction and even repentant when rebuked, but still do the same thing that causes us to be corrected? There's some people who sit and listen. I've been in business when I was in business, and there were people who sit in those meetings, salespeople and sometimes district sales managers, and listen to what is being said, and they sit there and nod their head in agreement so they can brown nose. And as soon as they get out of the meeting, the meeting after the meeting, they start running the person down who said that. And they didn't even try it to see if they could sell more than what they were. So what are they doing? They're listening, nodding their head, but they have no intention of making any changes. The Bible says that's stupid. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says, He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but, only but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. Proverbs 15, 33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Uh, it's kind of, you know, behaving like that, a sort of passive-aggressive uh, behavior or response, appearing to have agreed with the instruction or the rebuke, but actually rebellious in your heart. Nodding with your head, the outer appearance, but in your heart, you're shaking your head no and denying it. And many of us add some grumbling, mumbling, or complaining to the mix, making it harder to solve I can tell you from experience that I have with my ears heard my own mouth grumbling about something that I had to repent of. I you know, that's, that's humiliating. That's, you know, and the Holy Spirit says, listen with your ears. Your hearing is not what it used to be. You can still hear what you're saying with your mouth, and you're speaking negative things out into the atmosphere because you're proud. And I have to go back and say, shut my mouth, and God, what are you trying to teach me? And that's, that's hard, because I know I'm right deep down, you know? But there's this possibility, ever so slight, that maybe I'm wrong. And God is pleased when we humble ourselves. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back as I'm just finishing up here. Proverbs 12, 15, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The right of a fool is right in his own eyes. When we're wise in our own eyes and other people are saying you're not so smart and you hear it through the grapevine or you see it through body language, you better look in the mirror and ask God, how many know that God is a personal God? That when you pray and ask for wisdom, that he will give you wisdom. When you pray and ask God, and you've got an open heart, 
that he may speak to your heart and tell you, you know, you're wrong about that. And certainly your attitude is wrong. And there are times when I've been right and the Holy Spirit says you're right, but your attitude stinks. You can be right and still wrong. Did you know that? And we need to be teachable. Allow the Holy Spirit to have his perfect work in us. His perfect work in us is to shape, to cleanse, to transform our character so that we become the character of Christ in human flesh. Is that our attitude is the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus when he laid down his rights as, as the Son of God. And he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. It's really what it's all about. Is, is laying your life down for God to do whatever he wants with it and humbling yourself. So uh, in conclusion, uh, open your heart. If you want to grow, prepare for growth. If our church wants to prepare for it, we have to open our heart to the correction of the Holy Spirit. We need to repent of an independent and unteachable spirit. We need to humble ourselves and become a learner. Be hungry for knowledge, hungry for the knowledge of God. And we need, what does that knowledge do? What do we do with that knowledge? Do we, Paul said to the Corinthians that when you have a bunch of knowledge, it just puffs up, makes you proud. But what does knowledge do? What does God intend for it to do? He intends it to serve others. To put the needs of others before our own. Philippians 2 4 says, Let each one of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Can I repeat what my friend Roger used to say? Of all, you know, of all the seven to eight billion people in the world, has anybody told you you're not the only one? It's not about you. Let's make it about him and make it about his kingdom. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you know that you have called us to be people who serve the interest of the kingdom of God. You have called us to love people and to serve one another in the fear of God. You've called us to make a difference, Lord, in our church and in our world, in our families, Lord God. You've called us, Lord God, to, to uh, greater things. As we grow in you, Lord, we grow up in you and we grow into greater things, Lord. That when we are faithful with a few things, Lord, you put us in charge over many things because you reward faithfulness. You reward us when we humble ourselves to grow. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless us and help us. Give us a teachable heart, a humble heart that receives the knowledge of the Lord through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and through any choose to teach us and to help us. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Help us to love one another, Lord, and so fulfill the law of Christ. God, we pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen.